Hey, Party Crashers! In this episode of The Uninvited, we are going to be getting into one of my favorite topics. We're going to be talking about the P word, and no, not that word. Get your minds out of the gutter. Nope. We are going to be talking about policy and the role that it plays in our day-to-day life. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about the week that was. Chung Park, Sun Chung Park, Hyun Chung Grant, Hyun Chung Grant, Sun Cha Kim, Sun Cha Kim, Young A Yu, Young A Yu, Xiao Jie Tan, Xiao Jie Tan, Dao Yu Feng. Um, the victims of race-based violence uh, and their families deserve justice. And this is the case what we're talking about here, the tragedy, what we just saw occur in Atlanta, Georgia. I would also suggest that the victims of cartels moving illegal aliens deserve justice. The American citizens in South Texas, they're getting absolutely decimated by what's happening on our southern border, deserve justice. The victims of rioting and looting last week, businesses closed, burned last, I'm sorry, last summer, deserve justice. Um, we just, we believe in justice. I think there's old sayings in Texas about, you know, find the, all the rope in Texas and get a tall oak tree. Now, there's been a lot of talk this week about what we should all do in the wake of violence in Atlanta, but I'd like to talk for a minute about what we're not going to do. What we're not going to do is disrespect the lives that were lost this week by acting like words don't matter. What we're not going to do is act like Asian hate doesn't run deep in this country. America does not get to hide from its racist past or present. And what we're not going to do is act like white supremacy isn't at the root of all this. Hey, party crashers. Welcome to another episode of The Uninvited. This is your host, Jerry Jones. However you found this and whyever you decided to find us, I'm so very glad you did. Please do us a favor, will you? Please rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss another one of these fine episodes. And should you give us a rating, please consider giving us five stars because five stars feels like love. Four stars feels like the friend zone. So um, what you heard in the beginning was a pronunciation of uh, the the victims of the names, a pronunciation of the names of the Asian Asian American Pacific Islanders uh, who were shot uh, and killed. Uh, in Atlanta now last week and I I just thought it was important because we've heard so much um, about and we talked about this in the last pod about the reasons and the excuses and the mental gymnastics that we go through to try to explain away why uh, someone commits acts of of, of militarized, um, violent, uh, white supremacy. Um, and we spend so little time understanding, um, who the victims were, or even in this case, even how to pronounce names. And so, uh, I thought it was important, um, important to share that, um, you know, in this conversation today, we're not going to dive super deep, you know, so what I've been doing is 
I feel like I've been I've been um, planting all sorts of seeds with regards to uh, upcoming series of topics that we're going to be discussing either in this podcast or in kind of what I would what I would say or or spinoff um, podcast. Uh, had a really good conversation with um, my brother. He's not my biological brother. We're not even brothers by any sort of, of marriage or anything, but he's he's my brother, my brother Georgie in uh, Copenhagen. And starting to sketch out the um, the the series we're going to do on on words. And there's going to be lots of overlap between those conversations and I think the conversations that we'll be having here uh, on the uninvited. And uh, one of one of the other, um, spinoff conversations um, that I look to to launch from Uninvited uh, is a topic that is well I don't want to say it's near and dear to my heart because I think that would be an oversimplification uh, as well as just it wouldn't be true but I I don't love love it but I follow it and uh, I follow it closely and it's on the subject of policy. Uh, for me, the, the, the policies that I follow are typically health care slash uh, health adjacent, meaning anything that impacts health and well-being, those are the policies uh, that, that I follow. Um, and so today I, I, want, I want to get a little bit into, and what I hope to get into today is uh, the role of policy in um, in how it shaped the current climate, uh, especially racial climate, uh, in particular in uh, the racial climate uh, directed towards um, people of um, Asian and Pacific Island uh, descent here in the country. Uh, but before getting into that, I just thought it was really important to to highlight the fact that there was a hearing, and I don't think I talked about this in the last pod, but there was a hearing last week specifically focused on the the um, exponential rise in hate crimes committed against AAPI, the AAPI community here in the United States. And um, what you heard um, from uh, Congressman Roy at that hearing was the the typical, uh, I don't want to, that's not fair. I don't want to say that's fair. I was going to say the typical um, Republican response. That is not true. I would say it's very typical, though, of a, a certain component of the Republican Party which is the, the what about me-ism. And so, uh, and, it, and it's not just, it's not just political. I, and I need to be very clear about that. So in speaking of words, recognizing that I turned this into a political thing, when in re- reality, what I'm talking about with the what about me-ism, it transcends politics. Uh, it is very, it's, it's cultural. And so, in the clip, you, you heard what he did. So he, he deliberately um, rooted his comments to uh, with the appearance of empathy 
um, and uh, the appearance of, of having an understanding as to why they were even gathered, which was to discuss the hate crimes, rising hate crimes against the Asian American Pacific Island community here. And he used it to then focus on the thing that he cares about, which is, um, let's be honest, like it's um, racialized, um, you know, political ideology against people of um, Latinx, you know, Latin, Latino, Hispanic, Latinx descent against people of African descent. Um, and then how, how you can, like, how, how do you equate um, the jailing, the separation and jailing of, of people who are, who are trying to migrate to this country? Um, how do you equate the militarized white supremacist response to peaceful, nonviolent protests of Black Lives Matter? How do you equate that with... Um, getting justice for um, the hate crimes that have been committed against AAPI community here. But that's what he did. And, and, and that's, that is commonplace to, to root. He rooted his, his, uh, his whiteness and centered, he centered the entire conversation around the suffering of the perceived suffering. And I have to, I have to say perceived, and that's, well, I am not attempting to minimize it. I am seeking to categorize suffering. There is real suffering. The real suffering of the AAPI community, for instance, which was the reason why he was there. That's real suffering. That was the reason for that hearing. And then there is the perceived suffering. Case in point, January 6th, 2021, the insurrection, none of those people were there to address real suffering. They were only there to uh, address suffering that they believe to be real, but is in fact unsubstantiated, right? There is a difference, but there's that. So there's not only the what about meism, it, it more commonly called false equivalency, okay? And the 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 difficulty of being a person of color the difficulty of being a person of conscience whether that you're a person of conscience of color or someone who's white and a person of conscience the, the difficulty that we all have is that in order for us to have our grievances addressed real suffering Right, documented, measurable, documented suffering. In order for us to have our moment, we typically also then have to um, address the perceived suffering of those who are in fact either the perpetrators of or the beneficiaries of our real suffering at some point we may not have to acknowledge it right away but in order for us to make progress toward the redress 
of 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 suffering we have to then entertain um perceived suffering and that's what this guy was doing and we also i mean not here and this is going to bleed into kind of the larger conversation i don't want to say large i don't want to scare you we're not going to go super in depth it's more of a down payment conversation on the impact of policy but we also heard mitch mcconnell this week so um i i believe the senate is going to take up the john lewis voting rights bill um the for the people act i believe is the actual name hr1 and um believe it or not joe manchin joe manchin is open to considering not necessarily just for this but to considering um addressing the filibuster president joe biden President Joe Biden is getting on that maybe we should look at taking the filibuster to the old school way. Um, what was that, Jimmy Stewart? Uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Like that, that's the kind of old school filibuster. I mean, doesn't, I mean, uh, it, it's too bad because if there was an actor to portray Joe Biden, it would have to be Jimmy Stewart, right? I'm now convinced, well, no, that's a really silly conversation I was getting ready to have. But couldn't you just as easily see Joe Biden in every Jimmy Stewart role ever made? Also, can we back off of Joe? Can we back off of Joe for a little bit? Okay, maybe he seemed a little unsteady, you know, coming up. But you know what? The guy, give him give him a break. Give him a break. Um, you know, but Joe's got, Joe's got his act together. But Joe is seemingly now saying, hey, he's willing to consider it. But Mitch McConnell essentially is going scorched earth saying, if we lift the filibuster to to pass the Voting Rights Act, then he's basically going to do every, run every terrible, horrible, ridiculous, um, ultra-conservative um, policy initiative that he can should the GOP resume the House. And that all over whether or not we get voting rights. So, I mean, but then, I mean, but that position, that position that he took is exactly the thing that Amber Ruffin was lifting up in her comments. Uh, Amber Ruffin, um, Google or Google Amber Ruffin's, her response to, um, uh, Asian hate crimes. That's where that was taken from that she did earlier this week. It's brilliant. It's about six minutes long. Do yourself a favor. Please watch it in, in its entirety because she is using the gift of satire and, um, to to really hone in on the historic nature uh, of what we're seeing in the API community. But what we heard from Senator McConnell, what we heard from Representative Roy is um, exactly what she says that it's the height of white supremacy and i will say on that note that one of the things that we're going to be taking on georgie and i and our series on words we're actually going to be digging into and, and this is kind of a preview we're going to we're going to dissect um white supremacy and looking at it from a, a historical lens and one of the things that we're going to challenge is the notion of america's original sin we've got a unique take on it you're gonna 
I think you're going to be intrigued, <laughs> to say the least. Um, yeah, you will be intrigued, and I think you're going to want to engage on it. But we've got a unique take on on what we actually believe the original sin uh, of of America is, and it's not it's not what you think or not what we commonly believe. But um, I'm saying all that to say. Um, what we've seen in this past week and really these past since, you know, COVID is rooted in history here in the United States. And what we're going to take up here in a couple minutes is not even a couple minutes, probably just a few seconds is we're going to, we're going to dig into a little bit of the, uh, of the policy background that, um, that led up to, um, this heightened state of, of hate crimes against uh, the AAPI community. So we're going to take a quick break. I don't actually have any commercials for you. We're going to take a quick, and I don't smoke either. I used to take, so I used to take smoke breaks with the smokers, even though I didn't smoke. I mean, I had a brief period where I was in the cloves because the girl I was seeing was that, you know, she smoked cloves. But I, man, I, I just, I still, I, I don't know what, man, those things are like ridiculous. Um, but I would take a break because sometimes you just need to take a break. So we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be back and let's talk a little bit about uh, the policy significance of what we're experiencing. We'll be right back. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. American people are always underestimated when it comes to reforms, but it's the old, it's the, it's the standard question that good policy is also good politics. Good policy is good politics. Um, so if that's true, then the uh, inverse of that is also true. That bad policy is bad policy politics. Um, so as I talked about earlier, I am, I'm very much into policy. And as you know, that, you know, I, I'm really into health policy, um, and thinking specifically, um, about, um, you know, health insurance, health access, health equity. Um, but there's so much that, uh, has an effect on the health and well-being of Americans, and, and specifically um, uh, for uh, Americans of color. Um, you know, I mean, what, I, I mean, we can go on and on and on. Like, think about slavery as uh, a set of policies at the state and federal level. Uh, of course, the Emancipation Proclamation um, is a, a policy um, we, you know, the, we've talked about the Voting Rights Act. You mean to think about as a country, it wasn't until 1965 that, um, black folks in America had federal protections to assure the right to vote. And think about the immense impact of that policy. It's, it's really what solidified this nation as a democracy. And thinking about now how, um, 
in Georgia, in Texas, in Missouri, um, you name you name a state, especially um, states that tend to vote uh, more Republican. Uh, there are proposed policies in place to restrict or limit um, the ability primarily for uh, people who have been marginalized, uh, people who have been minoritized to their their ability uh, to vote. And, you know, what we're seeing now with the hate crimes against the AAPI uh, community um, it go, we have to really go back. Um, we have to go back as far as the 19th century, right? Um, so I know many of you have by now probably heard of the, um, the Chinese Exclusion Act. Uh, the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 um, President Chester A. Arthur, and I don't know why I always, whenever I hear the name President Chester A. Arthur, I think about, um, Die Hard 3. Die Hard 3, that was the one with, uh, is Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson and, uh, Jeremy Irons, who was the, uh, the brother of Hans Gruber, um, played by the great Alan Rickman, uh, in, in the original Die Hard I always think of Chester A. Arthur Elementary School, but Chester A. Arthur is the president who signed into law the Chinese Exclusion Act, um, which was uh, a law that prohibited prohibited the immigration of Chinese laborers. If, if <laughs> it <laughs> it makes you think about, you know, the the anti-immigrant laws of the um, early to mid 2000s and into today with uh, with people um, who uh, of Latinx descent. Um, but it was the same tropes. Oh, you know, Asians are taking our jobs and we can't, you know, every everything that was wrong. Um, and, you know, especially in kind of the Western part of, of, of uh, the United States got blamed on on Asians um, but um, not but maybe a not even a decade before maybe five six seven years before there was another law that was passed called the page act the page act I believe is 1875 um, which banned Chinese women from coming uh, into America. So think about, it. so I think in the, in the last episode, we talked about the intersection of racism and sexism, which um, is also going to be, speaking of other episodes, <laughs> other spinoffs, the inter, inter, uh, series on intersectionality. And, and one of the clear intersectionalities that we see in what happened in Atlanta is the intersection of, of, uh, of racism and misogyny and sexism. Um, but the Page Act uh, was federal law. So Asian women couldn't come. And, uh, and then about a 10 year, uh, less than 10 years later, uh, it, it came to include um, to men. 
And so the reason why women were banned, the women were banned because of this, um, this racist um, hyper-sexualization of women of Asian descent and um, everything that was wrong. Um, so, of course, they considered every woman who was of East Asian descent of being a prostitute. And, you know, the long story short, it was the hypersexualization of Asian women um, that caused the Page Act. And so then, so that, so that mindset led to a set of, of local, first local state laws and ultimately rose to the level of federal law where they said, um, no Asian women. It should be noted that our country's first ever federal law regarding um, who gets to come into our country was written against people who are Asian. First the women, then the men. It was the first time ever in our nation's history. Um, there are, there's the, um, the stories of the, the massacre in Los Angeles, I believe it was 1871, where 10% of the Asian population in Los Angeles was murdered. Um, this goes back a long way. And so what I'm saying to you is we have our immigration policy as we know it is rooted, not only rooted in racism, but our immigration, federal immigration policy is centered on its hatred of the Asian community, the Asian Pacific Islander community. So anytime we're seeing any policy, um, especially as it seeks to exclude or to um, dehumanize um, people who are not from the United States, know that it's rooted in its hatred of Asians and of people of Pacific Island descent. That's where it comes from. It's all rooted there. So when we get representatives like Representative Roy, who took a moment to that was designed for addressing the hate against the Asian Pacific Islander community, Asian American Pacific Islander community, excuse me, um, it starts with its hatred there. So his diversion to focus on the suffering, the perceived suffering of white people, um, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a policy legacy that's attached to that. So just to understand where, where I'm going here is there's a mindset. There's a set of values, uh, practices that gets codified um, into policy. And then those policies over time get implemented with all of the mindset that went into creating the policy. So if, if your mindset is that we must ban Asian women because they are hypersexual and we have to get rid of them, we have to ban them. 
you develop a policy. So on the enforcement side of that policy, what you're telling those who are on the enforcement side that Asian women are bad. When you ex then extend it to exclude men, Asian Pacific Islander men, then the men are bad. And so that's that's the policy. You, you, you had the mindset, you codified it in the policy, then you implement the policy. But when you begin to implement the policy, even those who aren't in enforcement tend to believe that, well, if law enforcement isn't present to enforce the hatred of the people, because those laws are there for the people that, that designed them. Right. So not everyone's going to be in law enforcement, but the policies weren't designed for law enforcement. The policies were designed for the people. Right. And law enforcement officers are there to enforce the will of the people. So the people truly believe that if law enforcement isn't present, that they believe it is incumbent upon them to enforce the law, which is where you get this kind of. Uh, these hate crime where they may believe they're vigil, you know, they're a, a kind of a vigilante justice sort of thing. So we see these hate crimes against people of um, of Asian Pacific Island descent at AAPI community, right? That's what we said. We saw this and we talked about it in the last episode. That's how you get the Kyle Rittenhouses of the world who believes that because of how the laws were written to police and govern the lives of black people. He believed it is his right because the law was written to support his worldview. The law is written to support the worldview of those who are racist against people who are um, Asian and Pacific Islander. Right? So we can't ever separate policy from the mindset. Which is why whenever there are comments from representative roy from a senator mcconnell right from you name it uh governor greg abbott or ron DeSantis or mike parson uh or the crazy governor in um oh my gosh what's the state um south dakota i mean they're all crazy right um that you can't separate the policies they enact from the mindset that's attached to it, right? So if we want to um, stop Asian hate crimes, if we want to stop hate crimes against people of color, black folks, Latinx folks, indigenous folks, AAPI, we also have to examine and um, change that mindset because that is how we're going to change the policy. And so in the weeks to come, you know, there's going to be very specific conversations about policy and how we change it. But I just wanted you all to understand that the things that we're seeing with hate crimes, all rooted in policy, in our federal uh, immigration policy, in the things that we saw, especially from in the, the hearing uh, for hate crimes against the AAPI community, how rooted that is in, um, in the mindset of America. So there's a lot of work we have in front of us if we are to, to, um, to change that framework, that mental framework um, that is shaping 
the the horrible experiences of of, of AAPI um, uh, residents here in the United States. Um, so I'm looking. I'm I'm excited to get into that work, but just wanted to highlight um, a couple of those um, key policies and 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 going to be looking for. And really, not just looking to the past with policy, but I think more and more importantly, looking to the future. What are the policies that we need to enact in order to make sure these sorts of things never happen uh, in in the future? Because good policy is good politics, and bad policy is bad politics, and um, we don't get to run from it. We don't get to run from the hard work of shaping policy, enacting policy, and uh, the equitable in, uh, implementation of policy. So at, at the heart of that is equity. How do we have an equitable conversation? Right now, the, and, and historically, the, the conversation has always been uh, from those in power, mostly white men, right? So in order for there to be an equitable conversation, we now need to amplify, which is where it comes from, amplify the voices. In this case, amplify the voices of the AAPI community. When we're talking about hate towards black folks, we have to, we have to amplify the voices of black folks. We have to amplify the voices of Latinx folks. We have to amplify uh, the voices of um, indigenous people. We have to amplify the voices of women. We have to amplify the voices of the LGBTQ community because the conversation for 400 years plus has only been really one-sided. And, and we have been excluded from that conversation. And so in order to have an equitable conversation uh, here over the next several decades, that means um, there's going to have to be a lot more listening from white leadership and very little talking, right? Um, and vice versa, there has to be more um, from, from us in the BIPOC community contributing um, and instructing uh, and guiding. It's time, it's time for, for people of color to take the reins, as it were, um, in the policymaking experience of America in order for us to get to a place of equity. That's that's what I'm saying. And that's the conversation that we're going to be having moving forward. Well, folks, um, I thank you for entertaining me <laughs> uh, by by sticking around for this uh, this conversation. And uh, I'm looking forward to this. This is it, it's hard stuff, but it's important stuff. So you all have uh, a wonderful rest of your day of your evening and continue to be good to yourselves good to each other and uh we're going to catch you on the flip side of the next episode of the uninvited peace <laughs>